Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb with another episode of Minnesota Made. I have two unique guests today, never done this before, so forgive me if things don't go as smoothly as they usually do. So there is something out there called the Minnesota Cup, and it's part of the Carlson School of Management at the U of M. And students, I believe, can enroll or sign up to compete in the Minnesota Cup. And I have the winner, this year's most recent winner of the Minnesota Cup, along with the director of the Minnesota Cup. So first of all, let me introduce Alyssa Song, the CEO and co-founder of Nano Dropper. Did I get that right, Alyssa? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for being on here. And also on the podcast is Jessica Berg. She is the director of the Minnesota Cup. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing well. It's nice to talk to you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. So let's see here. First of all, I guess to give the listeners a basis of what it is that we're talking about. Um, Jessica, can you give me a brief overview of what the Minnesota Cup is all about? Absolutely. So we are a competition that is based at the Carlson School, as you mentioned, but we are actually open to any entrepreneur in the entire state of Minnesota to apply as long as your business is earning less than a million dollars a year in revenue. So we're industry agnostic. We're open to everyone. We're focused on specifically supporting early stage entrepreneurs and we strive to be a fantastic front door and resource and support tool for people who have great ideas, who are starting businesses, but maybe haven't um, gotten to that first successful raise or haven't scaled yet be a platform to help build tremendous Minnesota businesses. So it's any Minnesota-based business under $1 million in revenue that can enter this competition? Correct. Yep. You don't, um, we, we benefit a ton from being based at the Carlson School and from our relationships with the University of Minnesota, but we, um, you don't have to be an alumni. You don't have to be a student to participate. People from Duluth all the way down to Red Wing and like across the whole state participate every year. And I think last year, the range in age of the semifinalists who really go through the most in our process and really get to participate fully the youngest was 11 and the oldest was 81. So it's really incredible how broad our participants are. And we are always striving to reach more people and to, to offer more and more support and different types of services to help make sure Minnesota is a really fantastic place to start businesses. That's cool. Now, Alyssa, how did you get the Minnesota Cup and uh, what uh, motivated you to enter the competition? Yeah, I first heard about uh, Mint Cup, I believe, at one of the walleye tank competitions, which is a more, it was a regional competition. I heard that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that Mint Cup is the largest statewide entrepreneurship 
slash business competition in the U.S. And so we, as a co-founding team, really wanted to showcase what we had and our products. But at the time that we first heard about MinCup, it was before we had commercialized and before we had selected Minnesota as our home base. And so we weren't eligible at the time. And after a couple of years of building the business and establishing HQ in Rochester, Minnesota, we decided to give it a chance. Even as a student team, we decided to take a chance and wanted to really show Minnesota uh, what we've created. So the motivation behind you entering the competition Alyssa, was it just to compete? Was it to gain some type of exposure? Does MinCup have a panel that uh, of kind of business experts that provides advice or feedback along the way that you can use to benefit your company? Or what was your, I guess, motivation behind entering the competition? Yeah, I think a primary motivation for us was that isolation that we felt as a company in 2020, uh, just feeling so disconnected from the entrepreneurial community, especially knowing that the Twin Cities have a robust history of medical device companies that have really made it big. And we knew that the resources were there and the community was there, but we just had absolutely no way of becoming a part of it in the way that we wanted to. And so we went there for the networking and the connections and the mentorship that we had only heard about. And I mean, we, we got that and more, (laughs) we just never thought that as a student led team that we would be taking home the grand prize. So you're a college student. I'm actually a medical student at Mayo Clinic. I'm a fourth year now. Interesting. A quick message from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by Minnesota Risk Partners, specializing in risk management and insurance services for Minnesota-based companies. Check them out at minnesotariskpartners.com. Jessica, does anybody that wants to enter the competition, are they approved to do so, or is there a selection process? There is. So we, um, because of how broad we are, uh, Alyssa was right, (laughs) quoted us correctly that we are the largest statewide startup competition in the country. And that's uh, in terms of the number of Minnesotans that participate every year and the prize money that we give away. So we're, we're super proud of that. But because of that size and scale, we do rely heavily on a fantastic pool of volunteer judges and mentors from a ton of different industry sectors who have a whole range of different types of functional and subject matter expertise to bring to that selection process that no one, you know, Minnesota Cup staff person could could provide ourselves. So we are definitely lucky that we have a lot of smart people reviewing applications from these awesome entrepreneurs and inventors and um, small business owners across the state. And that is those people, those individuals are the ones who actually select who moves forward in the competition each round. Do you know about how many entered and how many were selected to compete? 2021 was a record year for us, which was wild. It's, it has been a really interesting and challenging couple of years in operating the competition in the pandemic, just not knowing sort of what people do or don't have capacity for. But in 2021, we had 
north of 1,700 individual Minnesotans participating, like blew out of the water the most we'd ever had. And that equated to a little bit more than 700 companies. So we have we have nine different divisions, which is 90 different semifinalist spots. So about 90 startups or 90 new businesses every year get the, the lion's share of the resources and mentorship and support we offer. So that's like a tight competition. It's very competitive to get in every year, but it's so cool and incredible to see the range of businesses that apply. And we really do our best to offer resources and a front door to the ecosystem to everybody that applies, even if you don't make it to the semifinals. So yeah, we we love being connected and being a hub and a like an access point for founders, just like Alyssa mentioned. So it's very cool. That's part of why she was excited to apply. So Alyssa, you got selected to participate and throughout the competition, it sounds like there's stages that had to be met or criteria or people voted and then uh, people were eliminated along the way, Alyssa. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, there was this, I'm imagining this massive pool of applicants, like Jessica was saying, and then uh, we were selected to be a semifinalist. And then, so there were new materials that we had to provide. Um, we were creating a business plan on like in a PDF and we had virtual pitches. We had multiple pitches to different judges at every round. And actually, I, I want to give a big shout out to our two mentors, Anna and Keenan, who really helped us uh, fine tune our pitches and our business plan and also like provide guidance on uh, who to talk to in terms of actual business development, not only just around the competition. And I wasn't the only person who was working on this in our company. As a student, that's one of the things that I've learned is we always take a team approach to everything. And so one of my co-founders, Mackenzie Andrews, she's our chief commercial officer, and she pitched in two of the rounds as well. Okay. And who else is on your executive team that you might want to mention? Yeah, we have a total of four co-founders. We're a pretty big co-founding team. People always ask like, oh, do you guys still like each other after all this time? <laughs> and we're like a family. We talk to each other more than like our actual family at this point. But uh, I mentioned Mackenzie. The other two, Elias Baker, he is a mechanical engineer by training and he's our chief operating officer. And Jennifer Steger, she is our chief scientific officer and she has her PhD in pharmacology. It's a pretty fun story on how we all met, and but we all started working way back when in like a neuroscience lab together. Um, and so we're just a bunch of scientists and an engineer. I guess Mackenzie also is an engineer and a scientist. All right, that sounds great. Now, the application process, Jessica, I'm assuming... You know, if somebody's interested in entering the competition, they Google it and uh, jump on a website somewhere. There's an online application process, but I guess I don't know. How does that work? Yeah, so we do open up applications for one month every year. As Alyssa alluded to, in the we, we do have a pretty long um, competition season. If you make it into our semifinal round, you're participating from around the beginning of June through the beginning of August and potentially all the way through September if you continue to advance and if you get selected to move forward to the, the final stages as the nanodropper team was. 
But yeah, our applications are fully online. They are open in 2022 from um, beginning on March 14th, which is a Monday. And then they close a month later on a Friday. So we, uh, we have everything online. We try to make it as simple and as accessible as possible because a lot of the folks that we want to enter, we want to apply, maybe don't even necessarily think about themselves as entrepreneurs yet. Maybe they think about themselves as a side hustler or an innovator or an inventor, um, somebody who has a really good idea, but is just potentially new to the idea of turning it into a company or a business. So we uh, do our best to um, keep things in layman's terms and um, really make it a place where people with all different types of experience and backgrounds can get across what they're working on, what their ultimate vision is, and then, um, you know, hopefully be a place where they can get those resources or connectivity to support and mentorship for the first time. And do these all have to be like unique invention type businesses or can it be industries like I have a couple insurance agencies? Does it have to be, you know, something really unique or can it be, you know, kind of vanilla? We've seen this out there. Maybe they got a little extra twist on it. That's interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's tough to answer that question because what's innovative and what's unique is really, really different from one industry to the next. We have companies that compete and get access to our resources. We always say from low tech to high tech to no tech. Like we really see things across the spectrum that do have a good chance to move forward and be accepted. So we never want to tell someone, no, this isn't for you because it it might be, you know, we don't want to, everybody who's listening knows their company or their idea a lot better than we do. So we, we do encourage folks to apply because the whole process is free. There's really no downside. And we have gotten a lot of good feedback that even for people who don't get in, just the process of having to think through and write concise responses to the questions that they ask really gets people thinking. And in some cases has gotten co-founders to sit down and like articulate out loud ideas that they've never had meetings about, which is always like a funny but cool side effect for me to learn. The three criteria that Minnesota Cup uses to decide who advances, who doesn't, are opportunity, plan, and progress. So opportunity is weighted at 50%. And so it's more likely that if you have a huge potential opportunity, a big market that you're going after, a big potential impact, you know, it's not just revenue. We, we do take into account sort of the social good and, you know, the, the, like the human and community impact that some of these businesses can have too. That is the most important criteria. Then we also take into account plan and progress. So because we're looking at early stage companies, not all of them are revenue generating yet. You know, we, we'd have that cap of that if you're earning more than a million dollars per year in revenue, then you're too large for us. But underneath that, that cap, there's a huge variety of, of traction or stage of the businesses too. Um, some of them have been around for a few years and are close to that million dollar cap. Some of them haven't earned a dollar yet, but they've been able to communicate with their customers or test and prototype some things. And so, yeah, it's a little bit different from one division to the next, what that opportunity size and what what really innovative means so that it's a long answer but we we really try to keep it as open and as flexible as possible to encourage people to try for it and then use that as an opportunity to get feedback and maybe think differently about what they're doing and 
we're a huge fan of that fail fast model of <laughs> to be attached to the problem that someone's trying to solve and not so attached to or in love with their own, you know, idea that they maybe get that they get hung up on something or they don't take opportunities to sort of improve or, or make their business really successful. Got it. Okay. Alyssa, CEO, co-founder, a winner of the 2021 Minnesota Cup with 1,700 plus applicants. Pretty impressive. Let's talk about the Nano Dropper. What is it? Where did the idea come from? And yeah, let's just start with that. Sure. Uh, Nano Dropper is a value-based medical device company named after our flagship product, the Nano Dropper Adapter. And we created the world's first eye drop bottle adapter that reduces the medication waste by up to five times um, in order to save our customers money in addition to, sorry, I don't know why I said it in that order. <laughs> Let me try that again. Okay. okay, sure. So NanoDropper is named after our flagship product, NanoDropper Adapter, and we created the world's first eye drop bottle adapter that reduces the size of the eye drop itself in order to remove medication waste, as well as the financial barrier to vision-saving medications. And this was all inspired by a ProPublica article, really great storytelling by Marshall Allen. Um, the article was titled, Drug Companies Make Eye Drops Too Big and You Pay for the Waste. And it was essentially talking about this really big global problem of oversized eye drops becoming a financial barrier for people who needed to pay hundreds of dollars, sometimes out of pocket per month to afford their chronic vision-saving medications. The example that they used in the article was glaucoma. And that really spoke to me and the co-founders because a lot of folks who get diagnosed with glaucoma are older, they're um, already part of populations in the U.S. that are marginalized in medicine, um, Black Americans, um, those of Latin American descent, and also women, and of course, just um, our older adults. So that really inspired what became an end-user product that really aimed to bypass all of the mess of the healthcare system and all the ways that it was actually failing our patients. Um, and that's how we came up with an adapter. So it's super simple to use, replaces the original cap of an eye drop bottle, and then creates a droplet that's perfect for the human eye. And we save our customers up to $2,500 per year per prescription. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I picture, like you said, an elderly person who is already on a a budgeted income, money's not rolling in by any means, and they got ex expensive prescriptions, one of which may be for glycoma. Mm -hmm. that, uh, can you give me an idea how much they might be spending on a, on a medication? Yeah, so on a really good plan, um, some of these high-tier medications will cost the end user $75. Um, that will probably be the best-case scenario on these newer brand-name I drop medications. If they're paying for this out of pocket because they don't have great insurance for their medication, they're paying the full price that can go up to $500 per month. And 
per month. Yeah. So a lot of chronic diseases like glaucoma, it's every single day, um, every single drop matters. And uh, every drop that you miss is contributing to irreversible blindness. And that's the really tragic thing about these chronic vision um, disorders that, you know, like you can never get it back. Yeah. Um, so every drop counts. And we were learning that about 25% of patients will run out of their eye drop medication before insurance will cover the next refill because they miss their eye too frequently. Or, you know, a lot of us don't have perfect aim. Even me without my contacts, I miss my eye when I put in eye drops. So um, if you're losing vision and you have limited dexterity and don't have anyone that can help you, of course, you're going to miss a couple of drops here and there. And that means that you don't have any left over by the end of the month. Yeah. So your device that's inserted on the end of an eyedropper not only helps, I guess, minimize waste, but it also helps ensure you get the eye drop in the eye. Is that true? So we take care of multiple problems, what we call barriers to perfect adherence. And um, adherence is a word that's replacing the older outdated term compliance, uh, medication compliance. Maybe that's a more familiar phrase for a lot of folks. But we found that not only if you run out of your medications, of course, you can't use it. But if you have difficulty aiming you're going to run out of your medication. So all of this kind of snowballs into one big adherence barrier. So we try to tackle multiple problems with a single device. And we really see ourselves as a value-based healthcare um, medical device company where we are trying to elevate the patient experience by creating a better bullseye effect with the colors that we use with our nanodropper adapters so that people can aim easier, um, as well as, of course, the price and the financial barriers. And I don't want to jump in prematurely, Alyssa, but please, I, I don't know if you you mentioned or talked about this, but I, until you all were competing and I got to know you all better through the competition process, I didn't realize how our eyes' ability to absorb moisture or absorb that medication just normal eye drops are making drops way too big. So definitely the waste issue of, of people being like missing or, or being able to like get it in their eye the first time is, is a thing, but you should chime in and talk a little bit about the size that your dropper creates and how different that is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, current eye drops are up to five times too big for the human eye to even hold. There's a lot of uh, messy like pharmacokinetics that we could go into. But essentially, if you have a cup and like you can think about the ability to hold a certain volume um, of your eye as like, you know, we have a cup. And if you want a drink of water, you could fill it to the top or you could dump a pool's worth of water into the cup. But you end up with the same amount in the cup. And that's the analogy that we use where we have these eye drops that are five times too big, you drop it in your eye, you're wasting 80% of it and you're paying for all of that waste. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of experience with eye drops. I probably used Visine like 10 times in my life, but I know every time I've used it, you know, it seems like 90% of it is running down my face 
Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. We always talk about that little bit of droplet that trickles down your cheek. You're paying for that waste. And one thing that we did was we did a literature search of what clinical data is out there as a bunch of academically trained scientists would. And we learned that people have already studied this. This is not a new problem. Um, We found studies back dating back to like the 70s that have found that smaller droplets are actually just as efficacious as the larger ones and actually have better side effect profiles. So if you can imagine all of that waste instead of going down your cheek, a lot of it gets drained uh, by your tear ducts and it can cause systemic side effects, not only just local ones around your eye. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like nanodropper, I think you said, falls under a medical device kind of category. And mm-hmm. anytime I think of medical device, I think, oh my gosh, it's going to be super expensive to buy whatever it is you need to buy. Can you give me a, a, an idea on how much a nano dropper would cost? Absolutely. Uh, price was definitely something that we had um, in the forefront of our mind when we were designing, manufacturing, all of the decisions that we made, because the last thing that we wanted to do was create another financial barrier to care. Um, so on our website um, and our MSRP is $1,499. Um, $1,499. <laughs> $14.99. Wow. That's yeah. Like, that's nice. That's uh, generous. So people just go on your website and, and buy one right there? So they're available on our website at nanodropper.com. And we're also available currently as of November 30th. We are available at more than 400 eye care clinics in the U.S. I got to ask, are you on Amazon? We are not on Amazon. (laughs) All right. right. So people can go on your website, which is nanodropper.com, N-A-N-O-Dropper, D-R-O-P-P-E-R.com and order there or go to maybe their local eye care specialist and buy one there. Now, one thing I noticed on your website was that there's a page that's titled Gift, Give the Gift of Vision by Donating Today. And it seems like you're giving back to the community. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great find. <laughs> we really like to showcase our program. We developed it because we realized that affordability means different things to different people. And $15 out of pocket might still be a financial barrier for some folks. So we created this program where people can donate to it and we match donors to recipients. And we have given out um, dozens of nanodroppers through this program. Um, And also we partner with NGOs like Unite for Sight to be able to help their mission, whether that's in the U.S. or internationally. Okay. That's pretty awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Alyssa, the person, the medical student, the winner of the Minnesota Cup, and the CEO of Nanodropper. All that leads to, uh, uh, I think, the words overachiever. So (laughs) Alyssa, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, Um, and what led you to the point where you are now? Yeah, I grew up all over the place, actually. It's a hard question for me to answer when people are like, oh, where are you from? 
I, a first generation immigrant with my parents from South Korea, but I've lived in Canada. I've lived in the Midwest. I grew up partially in California. And then I lived in Seattle the longest for eight years before moving here to Minnesota, which is now my current home. And I feel like I really picked up a lot of like influences along the way that really opened my mind to a lot of, of different stories, different experiences, and definitely different perspectives too. And I picked up different motivations along the way as well. Like part of my high school career was in Palo Alto, California. So um, it's funny how you say overachiever because I still feel like I'm not at the par of like a lot of my high school (laughs) colleagues who are doing great things in the world. So I just feel really fortunate to be here. And even with the Minnesota Cup win, just a lot of validation comes with that, I think. Absolutely. Now that moving makes me think, uh, did you grow up in a military family or just it was a lot of moving? Just a lot of moving. My parents were really uh, location agnostic, I guess um, that would be a phrase if it was a phrase. Uh, They they wanted to see different types of people. Um, They finished their grad school education in these different places. So that's what really brought me and my family to all of these new places. Um, Of course, their jobs and things like that. Of yeah. course, their jobs and everything like that, too. Ding, ding. Uh, Jessica, last connection, and now she just chimed back in. Welcome back, oh. Jessica. So sorry about that, y'all. My It's like amazing timing. <laughs> yeah. We do, don't do podcasts very often, but my computer just did a first restart to install an update that I had like delayed too long. So oh, my gosh. Hopefully it won't happen again, but my bad. Yeah, no problem. Did you say y'all? Where are you from? I'm from here, but I went to college in Atlanta, and I, I love... I just, it's like the one um, sort of Southern colloquialism that I, that I hung on to. Okay, <laughs> cool. I lived in Texas for four years and it comes out of my mouth every once in a while also. Yeah, it's very useful. It's <laughs> neutral, quick to say. I love it. So <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Now, Aly- Alyssa, did you say you are a medical student? I am. I'm a fourth year medical student at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Okay. And do you live in Mankato then? I live in Rochester. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do you have siblings and are, are they also high achievers such as yourself? <laughs> um, I have a little brother. He's actually 13 years younger than me. Okay. Um, and so he is still in high school. We're actually graduating in the same year. So it'll be a, a big year for us. <laughs> yeah. Pretty excited about that for him to like explore colleges and things like that. Um, he is a bit of an artist. I actually come from a family of like what we call salary men in Korea and artists and educators. I'm actually the, I think the first medical person in, I think, 20 something generations of songs. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's your plan after graduation? Uh, I assume you're going to go on to be do something in the medical field? Are you going to keep the nano dropper thing kind of going on as a side hustle? Are you going to sell that off to Johnson and Johnson and make millions and and retire? I mean, do you have a a long term vision of where you're headed? Long term vision. Um, I don't know about how long. I keep getting asked this question. I'm 
applying to plastic surgery residency programs right now. And I get this question a lot, like, where do you see yourself in 10 to 15 years? And um, I know I love plastic surgery and I want to be a surgeon, um, but I also want to contribute to the field uh, using the skills that I learned through entrepreneurship. And I love building new tools that can help, uh, I guess, hopefully my colleagues in the future. And um, just really furthering the field of plastic surgery is where I see my career going. Yeah, that's cool. So being a plastic surgeon, that means you'll probably have to be self-employed, correct? Would you open up your own practice then? Yeah, a lot of plastic surgeons do go private practice, but um, a lot of plastic surgeons are in academic centers. A lot of reconstructive cases are still very much at big institutions like Mayo Clinic. And one of my strong interest is in breast reconstruction for post-mastectomy patients who have breast cancer. And uh, that's really something that I would like to pursue if it's an option. Great. I don't know. I think we've been uh, on this podcast now approaching uh, 35 minutes, which seems about an appropriate time. Is it before I, I, I uh, wrap this up, is there anything either you two want to bring up? I don't want to cut you short, but I also don't want to miss anything. So is there anything, uh, Jessica, that you want to bring up regarding the Minnesota Cup? Yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you, Jason. And it's always a pleasure to talk to Alyssa. I learn something new um, every time we're in conversation together or do an interview together. So it's a blast to um, just see how well they're doing and inspiring to see all the different future ways she will probably continue to help people and change the world. So yeah, it's been a treat. And the only other thing that I would plug or mention to the listeners of Minnesota Made is to keep your eyes peeled for our 2022 applications, which will open up online on Monday, March 14th. Um, our application process is completely free. Um, we we really uh, express gratitude to all of our sponsors and partners for helping to keep the Minnesota Cup as free and accessible as we can possibly be to Minnesota innovators. Um, we really want to make it easier to start a company or take an idea that you have that you're not really sure if it could be a company and come through us to really get that support and get connected to um, super insightful, cool people who can help you. Um, we also, every year, give away... Four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in prize money, and we take no equity in exchange for those funds. So we're really taking dollars from grant making organizations, from local corporations. Um, Minnesota is lucky to have some incredible Fortune one hundred and five hundred companies that we can we can sort of shill to and ask them to give back to the community and distribute that money to entrepreneurs who for whom a ten thousand or thirty thousand or fifty thousand dollar check is tremendously meaningful at their early stage. Um, so I, I'd love to know, uh, Alyssa, I know y'all are like growing like gangbusters, but um, I'm curious if you could share a little bit with the listeners what, what you won in this year's competition in terms of your cash prize and, and if you all know how you're going to use it yet. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I just wanted to echo something that you said earlier about the process itself for a group of co-founders or an entrepreneur, that in itself is such a good way to start building your company. We actually got our start from other student-level competitions and building a business plan from the ground up and having to have those conversations to 
write those succinct sentences about our value prop, I think those all accumulated to um, where we are today. And I think the first prize that we were able to get or an award that we were able to get was for $2,000. And that $2,000 was the barrier for us to create a prototype. So also having gone through all of these competitions, Minnesota Cup is truly just such a well-built-out program and a competition. And we were floored by the type of organization and and the workshops um, that were available to us. So, yeah, it's also really nice seeing you, Jessica, (laughs) to answer your question about the prize winnings from MinCup. We won the grand prize, which was $50,000, and also the smaller prizes for Southeast Minnesota from the Southeast Minnesota Foundation. I would re-say that whole thing. You, um, It was the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. Yeah. Just okay. a proper shout out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so start with, you You took home the grand prize, you won the student division, and then you took home that prize from the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. So what was the total amount? I can look it up too. I'm not trying to like <laughs> make oh my gosh. homework in the moment, but all it's impressive when people win the grand prize, they take home more money than I think anybody expects that they will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right. I think in total, we took home $80,000 from the grand prize, the student division win, and the Southeast Minnesota Initiative Foundation. And with that, we're actually actively hiring for a new position in our company. And we just signed a lease for a commercial space in Rochester, in downtown Rochester. So we're super excited about that. We're like buying furniture. It feels like we're buying our first home together. (laughs) Um, And we are finally moving out of my home for for a lot of the logistical and um, fulfillment related things. All right, awesome. So I jumped on the website for Minnesota Cup. I just Googled it. Google, I just Googled MN Space Cup, clicked on it, and it brought me to a website of carlsonschool.umn.edu forward slash MN dash cup. I know it's a yeah, lot. And, Just, and I don't want to cut you off, Jason, but if you if folks want to find Minnesota Cup to apply this year or just learn more about what we do, we're also always looking for additional volunteers. Um, you know, folks who've been on your podcast before, Jason, we're always looking for experienced entrepreneurs or people who want to pay it forward to the next crew of people following behind them trying to build cool things. Our website is mncup.org heard of the Carlson School. So when folks get to our website, they may see some school-related landing page stuff, but mncup.org will get you to our page. Okay, cool. And if you want to uh, check out the Nano Dropper, again, that website is N-A-N-O, Nano, dropper.com. I got that right, didn't I, Alyssa? (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) All right. Well, Alyssa, congratulations once again for being the winner, the 2021 winner of the Minnesota Cup. And uh, you have a bright, bright future. I see it already. Jessica, thank you for your input and your 
wealth of knowledge on how the Minnesota Cup works. You guys are great guests. And uh, thank you very much for being on Minnesota Made. Thank you for having me. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota. Minnesota.